church. That word may bring to mind the chapel where you hear the pastor preach, the school gym where you attended youth group, the place you go on Sundays, maybe even a service you watch online. Church is all these things, but so much more. It's not simply a building, it's a body. The body of Christ made up of diverse members who share a single faith. We all struggle, but we all believe. We all go through trials, but we have hope that Christ will return to his body, his bride, his people. There are many buildings where believers meet, but one true church where we affirm our faith in the one true God who calls those from every nation, tribe, people, and language to join his family. He calls us to meet together. We come together to acknowledge God's presence and power in our lives, confess our sins, receive mercy, hear the word proclaimed, sing praise, pray for peace, remember Christ's sacrifice, bear one another's burdens, and welcome all to this place of grace. Amidst loneliness and isolation, the church is a beacon of hope, a reminder of our need for God and for each other. When we take time each week to worship, we join ourselves to believers throughout the world and throughout the ages, to all who are members of Christ's body, the church. There we go. We've been talking all about the church, looking at what the church is, who the church is, and so forth. And as we know, the church isn't a place that you go to. It's a people that you join, the body of Christ. And every believer belongs to the church, but then there is also the local, expre the, the ex local expression of the church, um, you know, that gathers in different places like this. And we're in week six. We're in our final week of the church. We've been looking at the, the different characteristics, the different identifiers of the church. Last week, we talked about the church as the, the, the church said that the church is a people who love. I mean, of all of the qualifiers, of all the identifiers, Jesus said love is the defining characteristic of who the church is. The way the people would be able to tell the disciples apart from everyone else is by their love, the defining characteristic of the church. The week before that, we talked about the church being filled with, uh, or being people who are filled with hope. When everything else around us is going, you know, haywire and, and people are losing hope, the church is filled with people who have a hope something that the world desperately needs, something that the world desperately longs for is, is a hope. And we have that. We have that. Um, the, and before that, we talked about the fact that Jesus gave the church power 
and authority. We have been given power and authority, and it's power and authority to to uh, to heal the sick and the, to cast out demons, to continue to do the very things that Jesus did while he was on this work or while he was on this earth. He told the church, continue doing what I'm doing. Teach others to do the things that you have seen me do. Teach others to do this. So we have been commissioned and we have been granted authority and power. The sad thing is much of the church in the Western world doesn't recognize that and therefore doesn't utilize that. We think it's all about just believing the right things. And we live powerless lives because we don't realize the power that we've been given and the, and the, uh, the authority that we've been given to utilize that power. But we've been given power over every disease, every sickness, every demon. We just need to believe that we've been given the power and learn how to use it. And that's one of the things, as we've done for several years, uh, we've done School of Kingdom Ministry. It's one of the things I love about that. It doesn't just, you know, open the Bible and say, okay, these are the things to believe. It teaches you how, teaches you that we have that power, and it teaches us how to use that power and gives us some practical ways to to begin to step out and take a risk and step out in the power that God has given us. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the things I love about Sockham. Today, we're going to talk about another key thing with the church, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is essential to following Jesus. I mean, not only do we stand as people who are forgiven, but Jesus' followers are quick to forgive others. At least we should be. That is how we are to live our lives, as quick to forgive others. Something that we are to be known for. And the church, every local church should be a place with a reputation as a place you can go to receive forgiveness. That should be the reputation of the church, as a place that you can go to receive forgiveness. So let's get right into it. One time Peter came up to Jesus, and he asked a question about forgiveness. He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, according to rabbinic teaching, a person was required to forgive three times. That's what rabbinic teaching taught. Three times you're required to give. If someone sinned against you a fourth time, you didn't have to forgive them. That's what rabbinic teaching of that day was. So when Peter asked if we should forgive someone who sins against us seven times, he expected Jesus to say, wow, Peter, you're being pretty gracious. That's pretty wonderful. I mean, you know, it's twice what the rabbinic teachers taught and another one thrown on for good measure. So I'm sure Peter was expecting, you know, some accolades from, from his master. But Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Or in some translations, 77 times. Either way you translate it, the point is the same. 
There's no limit to the number of times that we are to forgive others. And that's for the same offense. No limit for the number of times. And then Jesus tells Peter and the disciples a story to help them understand. He says in Matthew 18, 23, right after this, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owed to pay the debt. So this guy owes millions of dollars. Can't pay it. Okay. Sell him. Sell the wife. Sell the kids. Get what you can out of him. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Now I want to, you know, add in there that, you know, when he said, please be patient with me and I'll pay everything, I'll pay it all. I really don't think that his master believed him. Do you? I mean... Have you ever had a debt that you couldn't pay? And it's like, oh, I'll, bl- I'll, I'll, I'll pay it all. And you know you couldn't. I really don't think that his master believed him, but it says he had pity on him or he had mercy on him. And he forgave everything. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. He says, That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to give your brother's and sisters from your heart. Not just lip service, but from your heart. So the man had just been forgiven a debt of a million dollars and refused to forgive a much smaller debt himself of a few thousand dollars. Here's the point of the story. No matter how many times Someone sins against us. No matter how deeply somebody has offended us, hurt us, insulted us, it doesn't compare to the level of our sin, our offense to God. It doesn't even come close. The gap is huge. And if God has forgiven us, which he has, 
because Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sin. If God has forgiven us, then we can and should forgive the one who sins against us. To not do so puts us in the same league as the evil servant in Jesus' story. Pretty sobering passage, don't you think? Now, one thing we need to get straight when we talk about forgiveness. When we talk about forgiveness, it's not saying that the offense didn't happen. It's not limiting the severity of the offense and saying, oh, it really wasn't that bad. It's not that at all. Neither is it saying that forgiveness means you jump right in with full trust of the person again. It's just a different issue. Okay? Trust isn't violated. It needs to be earned. Forgiveness is freely given. Trust is earned. Okay? So it doesn't mean any of that. It means I'm going to let go of it and not hold on to the offense anymore, but I'm putting it in God's hands. And I'm going to let God deal with it as he will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it for him. If he decides that the person is going to fry, then he decides that the person is going to, it's his decision. If he decides he's going to grant mercy to the person, that's his decision. I'm taking my hands off. I am not going to hold that over that person anymore. That's what forgiveness is. It means I'm freeing myself of that. In this passage, as well as a number of other passages in the Bible, the forgiveness of our sin, the forgiveness of our sins is tied to whether or not we are willing to extend forgiveness to others. Now, I don't fully have this worked out in my head, I'll be honest. Because on the one hand, my faith is in Jesus on what he did on the cross, and I know I stand forgiven before him. On the other hand, if I stand in unforgiveness with someone else, then it says that God won't forgive me. I'm not sure though how that both those things work together, but I do know this. I don't want to take a chance on not forgiving someone else to see one day what that works out okay i am fully standing on the forgiveness that christ gave me and because of that i am going to do my very best to forgive anyone that offends me with my whole heart now that's not always easy sometimes it's very 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 difficult and sometimes it's a process I've shared before, I won't go into the whole story right now, how, you know, that I had somebody who offended me deeply. Um, and 
uh, just just really hurt me deeply, and I chose to forgive. I made the I didn't feel it, but I made the choice to forgive. God, I forgive this person. I forgive this person. I made that choice, and I made that choice over and over. Well, I'll go ahead and tell more than I was going to tell. I wa- I made the choice over and over, you know, for over a number of several years. You know, every time their name would come up, every time they would come to mind, I would I would choose to forgive. And I thought I had fully dealt with it. You know, um because I, you know, it was, it was a choice I made. I can hang on to what I for- I choose to forgive. I was in a meeting one time, and uh, somebody asked if I wanted prayer, said yes, you know, so I assumed the position. This was in, in, it wasn't here, it was in Toronto. I assumed the position, you know, openness to prayer, hands out like you're going to receive, started praying for me, and I don't remember what they were praying. I hadn't asked for prayer for anything, I just, you know, expecting them to say, oh, Lord, bless him, and, you know, do whatever. All of a sudden, I broke. That person's name came to my, came out of my mouth, and I said, oh, what's your name? (laughs) Um, How could you? And I just broke. When that happened, God did something in me. And everything, the, 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 the negative feelings, the hard feelings, the hurt, all of that, it just lifted out of me. To this day, I don't understand exactly what happened, but this is what I think. I think... To best of my knowledge, what happened was I had made the choice to forgive, my willful choice to forgive that person for several years. I mean, often, because the name came up often for several years. And then when I was in that meeting, it was like God said, okay, I've seen the choice you made. And now I'm going to honor that choice by taking the forgiveness to a deeper level and freeing you from that. I cannot tell you how free I felt walking out of that prayer time. I, 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 I can't tell you how free I felt walking out of that prayer time and have been free ever since. And since then, I mean, they don't live in town anymore, so, but since then, relationship, actually not just relationship, but friendship, which had been broken, was restored fully. To now, when I think of that person, I have nothing but good feelings. Nothing but, you know, God bless him, you know. And, you know, if I would see him walking down the street or run into him in a grocery store somewhere or or whatever um it would there wouldn't be any 
cringe or any, you know, of, of this. You know how you feel? Anybody else, you know, you got something between you and somebody else. You turn the corner in a grocery store, you see them, and you're kind of like, you know that feeling? How many know that feeling? Okay. There wouldn't be any of that. It would be, hey, it's been a while. How, do, how you doing? Anyway, I wasn't planning on going into that at all, but where was I? Oh, our forgiveness is tied to whether or not we are willing to extend forgiveness to others. For example, in Matthew 6, 15, Jesus said, if you, believe, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. The Apostle Paul picks up the same thought when he says uh, in Colossians 3.13, Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. James says something very similar when he says in James 2.13, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. All throughout the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the disciples, God's treatment of us is linked to the way that we treat others. So when the church is being the church, forgiveness flows like a current throughout the congregation. It's not that there's never an offense. It's not that there's never any, 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 any wrong that's done between people. It's that there's a culture and a current of forgiveness that flows in the congregation. The of the church is a place where forgiveness can be found. Doesn't mean that people don't hurt us. Doesn't mean that people don't disappoint us. It simply means, what means when they do, we readily and freely extend grace and forgiveness. We don't strike back in retaliation. We don't hold grudges. We don't harbor resentment. And, you know, or, or let bitterness grow. I remember something we said last week. In Proverbs it says, love covers a multitude of sins. It's because the love that we have for Jesus and the love that we have for others, that's what empowers us and helps us to forgive people that hurt us. And then when we forgive, I mean, excuse me, when we, um, when we hurt others, or we, you know, disappoint them. I know one or two of you have, you know, hurt somebody else, you know, in your walk with the Lord, right? You know, we always like to think of forgiveness as, as you know, I need to forgive that person. But what about when that person, or when that person needs to forgive us, when we hurt them, when we offend somebody else, we do something stupid, we do something inconsiderate. I know I'm not the only one that's done that. Anyway, when we hurt others or disappoint them, because it goes both ways, we're all flawed people, then we can expect to receive that same forgiveness, that same mercy, that same grace that we have extended to others. We've extended it, and we can expect to receive it back. One of the things that I really like about the Bible is that the people in it are real people who lived real lives, and the Bible is honest about that. I love that. It, it means that you know people aren't portrayed in the Bible as perfect people. They aren't portrayed as people with no past 
or, you know, with no problems. The real people that deal with the same stuff that you and I deal with every day, day in and day out. The church of the book of Acts and the disciples in the epistles, they had their issues, and the Bible records all of that. I mean, one time in Philippi, there's two women, Yodia and Syntyche. Um, how do you like those names for your kids? Yodia and Syntyche. You know, they had their issues. They were co-workers together and co-workers with Paul, and they were, you know, co-laborers, and they were in the church there in Philippi, and they were having uh, uh, some trouble getting along. They were having some disagreement. There had been some offense. And Paul wrote to, wrote to the church and says, help these ladies get along. These ones that have labored in the gospel together, help them to work things out. Help them to settle their differences. Help them to get along. He tells them that. I mean, the Bible is honest about things like that. The Corinthian church sure had its issues. There's, the Bible does not sugarcoat things, and that's one of the things I love about it. It's an honest book. Now, think of this this way. Why would Jesus and the writers of the New Testament put such an emphasis on forgiveness except for two things? One, it's really important. Really important. And two, it's really needed. It's emphasized over and over throughout Scripture because it's important and it's needed. The church, more than anyone else, is to be a body of people where forgiveness flows freely. To do anything less than forgive is really a sign that we don't fully appreciate, don't fully realize how much we ourselves have been forgiven. Because if we realize that, we'll like, yeah, you're forgiven. Of course you're forgiven. Absolutely you're forgiven. Yeah, you know we would be dispensing forgiveness like crazy. So, what does all this mean that all this we've been talking about for the last several weeks, what does it tell us about the church? Thinking back over the series, what's this tell us about the church? One, there's a place you can find hope, and it's the church. It's where the church gathers. Remember, it's not the building it's the people where can you find hope where do we find it where the people of god are the church two the church is a place where you're going to find power for real change jesus gave all power and authority to the church power for healing power to crush old habits power to be free, power for deliverance, power to change lives, and not only power, but the authority to access that power. The church is a place where you're going to find power for change lives. Three. This is a safe place. The church is a safe place. It's made up of imperfect people, people with a past, people with problems, people who have not yet figured it all out and will spend the rest of our lives trying to figure it all out. In other words, this is a place with people exactly like you and exactly like me. 
It is a safe place. It's a place where you can share your struggles without fear that you'll be judged. Instead, what you'll find is people who will stand by your side and will encourage you and be there for you. A place where you can belong and not have to worry about somebody finding out your secrets because it's a place where you can share them. And you can find someone to share them with. And they won't judge you or walk out on you. They'll stand by you and love you because they've been there before or they're there now still. And number four, the church is going to be around for a long time because it's Jesus' church. He's the one that's building it. And he said the gates of hell, no matter what comes against it, gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. The church will prevail. Everything we talked about, we just talked about is all because 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and allowed himself to be nailed to the cross in our place. They stretched out his arms. They put the nails through his hands or through the wrist right here. It's considered part of the hand nailed his feet, he was stripped naked, didn't have any cloth around him. We do that in church because you can't hang a picture of a, or figure of a naked person, but he was naked. It was just one more way to humiliate and shame the person they were crucifying. And he hung there until his blood was poured out and he died. In doing so, he paid a ransom for you and for me. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to commemorate when we take communion together. That Jesus did that for you and for me. One more thing about forgiveness. It's free. It is free for you. But it cost him everything. And he paid the price. And if you've never accepted his offer of forgiveness, you can do so now. Just in your heart and in your mind. Begin by just taking all the junk in your life. The wrongdoing. Everything that's just the stuff you just wish wasn't there. 
and just hand it to Jesus. Put your faith in him and believe that he went to the cross and he did it for you. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. Put your faith in Jesus and change your mind about the way you've been living. Repentance, it means a changing of the mind, changing the way we think. We change our mind about the way we've been living and we begin to believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and say, God, forgive me. And then it's done. And when it's done, it's done. Like that time in Toronto when the offense that was still in me even though I thought I had dealt with it, completely lifted off of me and left. When we put our faith in Jesus, our sin, our shame, our guilt, all of that just, it's lifted off of us. And we stand before God as if we had never sinned. Not oh, we're just not going to talk about it anymore. But as if we had never done it in the first place. Pure, clean, holy before God. The enemy likes to come in and say, yeah, but I remember when you, oh, really? Well, take it to Jesus because that's not mine anymore. So he takes it to Jesus. The enemy takes it to Jesus, and Jesus says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Get lost. Let's get our cups ready. If you've never given your life to the Lord, I encourage you to just do it now. As I said, just hand everything over to him and believe, know that it's not just a story about Jesus being crucified. He really was crucified. He really was nailed to a cross. It was the most excruciating torture that has ever been invented to this day. And Jesus did it for you. And then, because death couldn't hold him on the third day, see, he was sinless. He did absolutely nothing wrong his entire life. He was absolutely sinless. He did it for our sin, took our place on the cross. And on the third day, he broke free from that grave. He walked out of there with a new life as he wants to give us new life. In the uh, book of Corinthians, take those off. 
Paul says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember his body on the cross as we take the bread together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Your love that took you to the cross so that we wouldn't have to go. Your love that paid the price for our sin. Thank you. I, I, I don't know what else to say, Lord. Words are not enough, but it's all we have. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. Help us to walk in the forgiveness that you've given us. To walk in a way that we don't offend you and we don't sin against others and help us to freely, freely, freely extend your forgiveness to those who hurt us, those who will hurt us. Let us not hold on to unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. But let us freely turn it all over to you and release the person in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do one more thing and then we're going to close. If you need healing in your body and would like prayer, just raise your hand. Got one, two, three, four honest people? One, two. <laughs> okay. This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand. Uh, you can sit if you want. But I want you to stand, and I want everybody else to gather around that person. And we are just going to tell the sickness, the, the injury, whatever it is, we're going to tell it to go. 
I mean, we've been given power and authority, right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And when Jesus healed, there wasn't any, oh, God, if it's your will, help this person get better. How did Jesus heal? Told it to go. Fever, go. Whatever it was. So we're just going to do that. So gather around. Hope I'm not putting anybody on the spot. If I am, I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> All right. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, the presence of the Lord, and what I want you to do. First of all, if you can share, if you're free to share what the... Uh, what it is you're wanting prayer for, then share that. If you would rather keep it private, you can do that. And we'll like speak in a general sense of, you know, um, illness, injury, whatever, go, you know, and that. So, all right. Okay, when I invite the Holy Spirit, then I want, after I invite the Holy Spirit, then I want you to just command whatever it is to go. We have been given power, and we have been given authority. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you have that power and that authority. So Holy Spirit, come and let your presence rest on us. Lord, bring your power to heal today in this place. Bring your power, the power of your presence that you have given each one of us. As it's said in the scripture, the presence of the Lord or the power of the Lord was there to heal. We want that right now. We are tired of the enemies wreaking havoc on our bodies. We are tired of, of putting up with that stuff. And Lord, we want healing now. So in Jesus' name, we pray. Go ahead and speak it. It is not you, it is the power in the name of Jesus. All you are is a pipeline or a conduit. Like an electrical cord taking power from the outlet to the power tool. Some of you have the power of God resting on you.
you're feeling a difference, say so. Just be honest. Don't be nice. If you're feeling any difference, if you're feeling a little bit of difference, say that. If you're feeling no difference, say that. If you're feeling total difference, say that, whatever it is. And we're going to pray for just another minute. I'm letting you pray because it's not the guy up front. It's the one who's in you that does the healing. And he doesn't want to just use the guy up front. He wants to use the body. And my job as pastor is to train and equip you to do the work of the ministry according to Ephesians 4. Okay. Father, we thank you. We pray that the work that you began here would continue and that you would continue your healing power and presence to rest on these people. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to love on them and pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I encourage you that if you felt anything going on, sensed anything, let the people that prayed for you know it. But I want to I wanna leave you with this benediction, this blessing. So let's get ready to, to, ready to receive this. May the Holy Spirit fill you with boldness and confidence and faith as you go in the authority that he has given you to proclaim the kingdom of God and to demonstrate his power. Go in him. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.